November 27th, 1998, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, Austin, Texas. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Ricky Williams bursts through the line. He cuts to the left. He breaks a tackle. He's down the sideline. This is Ricky's record. Welcome to Games with Names presented by WinBet. I'm Julian Edelman. I'm Sam Morell. We're here to find the greatest games of all time. Energy. And today, on this beautiful podcast day, we got Texas versus Texas A&M, who was ranked sixth this year, in 1998. And our guest... Ricky Williams. I can't wait. Legend. One, Maybe the greatest college football player of all time. Insane. First reactions when I think of this, second to last game of the season. This guy's not even supposed to be playing this year because he could have got drafted number one the year before, probably. And he's got 44 carries. Too too much. It's like, you ever you ever see, uh, we're talking about this. Is this ethical to put a running back through this? I in this day and age, I guess, it, I mean, there, there was no ethics. This was 98. No ethics. Zero. Ethics are new. <laughs> we just discovered ethics. No, but it's like we ever see a movie and they have like a child actor and they're like, you you can't do more than eight hours or whatever. There's limits. There should be a, over 40 carries. I guarantee Macaulay Culkin had more than eight hours a day in well, Home Alone. Also but that was also in the 90s. For sure. He also hung out with Michael Jackson, which would not be allowed in today's age, I don't think. Probably frowned upon. Frowned upon, at least. Probably frowned upon. This hits so close to the heart for me, because in 1998, I was like a little kid. I was 12 years old, and everyone always heard about Bo Jackson, how this guy was unstoppable, two-sport athlete. And then you throw on these games every Saturday, and I, I didn't really watch Texas, but you knew Ricky Williams. Yeah. This guy was like averaging 193 yards a game, Running up and down the field, jumping over guys, running over guys, outrunning guys. He's like 235 pounds. He runs a 438 back in 98. Like, he's honestly one of the most dominant football players that ever played on Saturday. Yeah. It's 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 insane. And and I'm so excited to hear his story, how he felt, because it's pretty it's pretty well known that Ricky loved college football. And he loved a little bit of this right he, here. He, he little, loved, little Mary J. Little devil's lettuce never hurt nobody. And no. we're going to hear about that from old Ricky himself. But to get back to this game, man, like 44 carries, 272 yards, one touchdown. In this game, he beats Tony Dorsett's record. He only needed like 68 yards, smashes it. And like the story is... Mac Brown says, "I don't want you smashing it on a on a little run. You got to break a, a a big run." He he does it on like a sixty eight yarder. I mean, it's it's it really is mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's like when Jeter got his three thousandth uh, career hit as a home run. Wade Boggs did that too. Pretty badass. Always back to a New York thing, huh? Boggs did it in Tampa. It's not always New York. Yeah. And Boggs is a Yankee and a Red Sox. I, I was trying to bring some unity here. We're, all right, we're bringing unity, you know? We're, and Jeter. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, it's Jeter. He's fucking Jeter, cool. Dude. I'm He's telling fucking you. awesome. Jeter, he, we know you're listening. Come on games with names. So many games to talk about. The gift bag? Is it real? Is, is it, it not re real? Do you think he gift bags... Women on the way out. I, I mean, he's a he's a married man now. He's a married man. Yeah, but we're talking about old school Jeter. I don't know. He seems like a gentleman. Have you ever gift bagged a woman? No. <laughs> <Get out of here. laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely not. What I a am, weird thing to just. You're I just, am a father of a daughter. <laughs> a woman's leaving Julian's place and she just takes a bag out. Entourage season four on DVD. What the hell? <laughs> the hell are we doing? <laughs> it's Entourage <laughs> movie, Sam. It's a movie. You were in the movie. God. Entourage was good. It's not as good as the Joker, but let's go. Let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's live back into this day in 1998. Number one movie, Bugs Life. Never saw it. I heard it's great. I was I was an ants. I saw ants because of Woody Allen. Yeah, I love. I saw Bugs Life recently. I was like half up, half asleep. My me and my daughter watched it. It's it's pretty good. There's I like heard it's great. It's and then I remember going to Disney World and they they did they had like a Bugs Life ride or something. I haven't been in years, but I remember that was like a cool thing. But what what what? Uh, who did ants? Was that that wasn't Disney? DreamWorks, I think. Yeah, I remember Woody. Oh, too bad Woody Allen wasn't attracted to ants instead of his stepdaughter, and he wouldn't have been canceled, I guess. If only he had an ants attraction. <laughs> Jack, uh, what do we got? Yeah, ants was DreamWorks. Yeah, ants was good. I heard, I heard, I've heard Bugs Life is better. I guess there's like a lot of hidden stories, but or like, what is it? What do they call that? Like, there's a lot of metaphorically type speaking. There's metaphors, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, number one song, Doop, <laughs> Lauren Hill. Great, great, great album. I mean, I love Lauren Hill. I got to see her yeah. live in 2012 at like an ESPYs party. And she, I don't know. She's just fucking cool. She's, she's got a vibe a about her. There's that one song. I'm trying to think of how it goes because I don't know song names great, but I can start like sing the jingle. Give me, give me a little of it. <laughs> well, I loved her in the Fugees too. Oh, yeah. Ready she or not. With, yeah, Here the I Fugees. Come, yeah. But we'll, we'll have to get back to it. We'll get back, we'll get to, back it. to it. Remember this. The Powder, the Powerpuff Girls premieres on Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network had all the bangers. Dexter's Laboratory. They had Johnny Bravo. They, were, they, were, they had some heat. I, I didn't, I wasn't a Powerpuff Girls thing, but I remember I, all. I wouldn't think. <laughs> that'd be weird if he, if he was like, I was a Bubbles person, Julian. <laughs> I like Bubbles. <laughs> but you did you I remember seeing like every we were like 12 at this time yeah every girl had powerpuff like backpacks they were cool it was like that was like a thing that's what i remember final yeah. season of seinfeld Brutal. was on the air r.i.p r.i.p seinfeld what went out you know look larry david was gone those last two seasons uh it was probably time to wrap it up but but one of the best shows if not the best show it's just of all time it's like the ultimate show when you have nothing to watch and you, mm -hmm. and you, you, cause it takes me like 45 minutes, a, to find out what I want to watch B another 45 minutes to find out what I'm going to order. <laughs> if I, if I'm having struggles, I just throw on Seinfeld it, and you, you, you get in, you get out. It's great background. Oh, a laugh. He, it's just, especially those like seasons, like three through seven, you're just getting heat. It, they're all, look, the whole show is great, but those are like the, we talk about that just pure fire. Viagra got the FDA approval earlier in '98. You remember that Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Which one? It was a rom. -com. Donnie Darko. No, it was a rom com where he was like a, a Viagra um, pharmaceutical sales guy. What, Anne was Hathaway was in it. Love and other drugs. Love and other drugs. Never saw it. Good? It was fucking good. Jake Gyllenhaal rarely disappoints. I feel like he's got a great. He's got like an underrated body of work. He's got. I, he's got like. Good stuff. I like I like Jake Gyllenhaal. He's got Zodiac. like a cool vibe. Zodiac is great. Zodiac, and then, then he had the what neighbors. He had uh I loved October Sky. Never saw it. What? That was like such a like a feel-good movie, like 
I'm going to invent a rocket and get out of this coal mining town. Yeah. <laughs> rocket Viagra metaphors throughout this episode. I mean, real motherfuckers weren't waiting for the FDA approval. They were like, I got 50 to 60 boners less in my, left in my life. I'm jumping on it. Yeah, you got to jump who's, on it. Who's waiting for FDA approval? They sell this shit at gas stations. Well, now. Now. This is 98. We're talking, we're, we're talking 98. You know, and it brings me back Horny to the time. goat weed, you remember that shit? Yeah, I, I do. And have I told the story yet about my dad on his anniversary? Absolutely not. If it's related to horny goat weed, we have not no, heard it's, it. No, it's, it's related to my first time ever seeing a Viagra pill. Whoa. So my parents, it's their anniversary, April 14th. So they're going on like a little weekend trip. And they leave the house. And so my parents left the house. I would always go up and use their bathroom. You know, fool just like living lavish in, in their bed. My dad runs in. I'm like, oh, shit. My dad's here. He runs in, goes into like the closet. And he, he's scrambling through the, the drawer. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy do, looking for? He goes out. And I'm looking at him. He look, looks at me. He pulls out a blue pill. He kisses it. Puts it in his pocket. And says, son, hopefully you don't know what this is until you're about my age. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I did, it confused me. I didn't know what it was until like literally like nine years later or eight. <laughs> I was like, oh, that. Your first taste of PEDs. <laughs> that was your first taste. Ronnie Harrison said the same thing to him in the locker room. He kissed a needle and said, hopefully you don't know what this is, Julian. <laughs> then injected it into his ass. <laughs> Oh, Sam, the banter goes. Sorry. Here we Sorry. go. Major global events now. What do we got? Jesse Ventura, the chin. Yeah. Was elected as the governor of Minnesota. Great cameo. He was great in The Predator. He was a huge step for actors slash pro wrestlers getting into politics. And Running Man. Was he in Running Man? Running Man's great. I love that movie. Schwarzenegger. Badass. That's like... That like paved the way for like Hunger Games, right? I mean, Running Man. That's what I thought run? Hunger Games was based off of when I saw Hunger Games. Yeah. I didn't know it was off book. Yeah. Or did, did the book Hunger Games come out after Running Man? Who knows? Yeah. Running Man was a great movie. Schwarzenegger had had a had an epic run in the eighties. Oh, eighties to like mid nineties. Another governor, Schwarzenegger. Another, <laughs> the governator. The the governor and uh, man, Bill Burr used to have the best bit on. Uh, on Schwarzenegger about like this, of course this guy thought he could get away with cheating like look look what he accomplished <laughs> you know, like like he comes to this country he he becomes an actor in a language he could barely speak that was like the whole bit of course he thought he would just keep conquering everything it was a I'm butchering the bit but look up the Bill Burr Schwarzenegger he's bit. Conan Conan yeah man yeah. True Lies is one of my faves too Twins Twins classic. Then there was like another one off of Twins that was kind of like where he got pregnant. That's yeah. when it started. I mean, Terminator. Ter well, the Terminators. I mean, let's, let's. They're epic. Terminator 2, hands down. It still holds up. Terminator 2, it's like a rare, it's a rare time where the sequel's better than the original. The original, 100%. Is there anything else like that? Maybe God, some people argue Godfather 2. I, I, I lean one, but two, you do have De Niro and Pacino. But one, you have Brando. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I like two for Godfather. And then I also get, like, I'm not trying to flex or anything, but I did just see Top Gun 2. <laughs> This isn't going to be a flex by the time this comes out, but we are taping this in saying, advance. This is, you know, when this comes out, everyone's going to be like, yeah, we all saw it, Julian. And it, no, but we, I haven't seen it yet, so I am jealous. 
And I, I, I might I might put out there is better than the first. And I'm a I've top heard it's guy. better. I've heard it's a better I movie. I mean, Rooster and Goose, baby. Don't tell me, don't give it away, but Val Kilmer does make a cameo, right? Full cameo. Fuck. I shed, I shed a tear. I love Val Kilmer. I, I cried. Did you? A little. Damn. It hit me in a, like, it really did. Cause you know, everything that he's going through, you know, it's his been, documentary, if you haven't seen, is incredible. Val, it's on Amazon. It's worth a watch. I got to check it out. He's, but, he's had a, he's had a cool life. He, I mean, Iceman. Iceman, dude. He's Iceman, bro. Let's get into the teams. We got the 1998 Texas Longhorns, nine and three, coached by Mac Brown in his first year. They had some big wins uh, at Nebraska, who is number seven, and uh, Texas A&M. Notable losses at UCLA, number six, Kansas State. Ricky Williams breaking the rushing record is really what this is all about, though. That's exactly because we haven't seen a Texas team compete like this, or even the teams that were big, big time teams since this period in life. I mean, UCLA's number six beating them. They beat Nebraska number seven. I mean, college football has changed so much, but this is the college football I remember, and and specifically with Ricky Williams running up and down that field. With the, the, the Texas Longhorns, I mean, he kind of reminded me of, like, modern day, at that time, Bo Jackson. Yeah. Even played baseball. Jack, what do we got two on baseball? guy. Ricky played four years of minor league baseball. Wow. Martinsville, two years for the Piedmont Bo Weevils, and then a year the Bo in Weevils. low A in Bativia. Where's that? Nope, that doesn't... That is the... Bativia Muck Dogs in Is it named after the yogurt? The Muff Dogs. The Muff Dogs. <laughs> Muck Dogs. Oh, oh. We, have, we have dirty minds here. <laughs> Jesus. We're... The Muff Dogs. This is this is their celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, a fun fact, I actually saw Ricky in his uh, days with the Bow Weevils, man. I think I got to meet Ricky. Did you? I was about four or five. Oh, wow. I just remember Ricky. You were a baby. Bursting through the uh, the tight baseball pants with those big old thighs. Yeah. He looks so strong. Oh, my God. Yeah, a baseball polyester can't hold a dude like that. Not, no, no way. <laughs> Could you imagine him in some pinstripes? <sighs> he would have looked beautiful. Ugh. <laughs> but this game in particular was the game where he beats the all-time career record for yards with 6,082. Needed 63 to beat Tony Dorsett. Goes out and does that on a on like a 68-yard touchdown, gets the record, ha- wins the Heisman this year, was supposed to leave the year before. Like, this tells you, with all these these little stories you hear about him at Texas, which we're going to try to get into, this guy just loved college football. Yeah. I mean, how do you turn down? Can you ever, can you relate to this at all, turning down a shot to go to the NFL, to go back to college? I was never good enough in college to even think that way. So, like, no, it's crazy. And especially with what we're seeing nowadays, you know, you're seeing guys sit out bowl games that don't want to get hurt if they're not in a contending bowl game so they don't hurt their draft stock or put the miles on them. This guy had 44 carries in a game. 44 carries. I mean, some notable names. It just shows how different the game is, too. Game's different, and so is the player. The player's different. I mean, in a a good way. Guys are getting paid. Guys are getting out there and making their money, and then, you know, that's what happens when you you live in a capitalist government. Yeah. Um, Some notable, notable names on Texas. Major Applewhite 
Got to be one of the coolest names. For sure. The, the name you butchered, right? Yeah, I butchered that name. <laughs> when you gave a speech to the team? Yeah. They, you, what do you call him? Applewood? I, got, I called him Applewood. I, said, I, I think we talked about it earlier, but I, it, they wanted me and Amendola during the Super Bowl in Houston to come talk to their team. We go in there. It gives me an insane introduction. And I go, thanks, Coach Applewood. <laughs> Whole team fucking starts <laughs> laughing. Uh, it was pretty bad. Quentin Jammer played against him. He was a stud. Early, late. He he played a long time. Um, Got to be one of the best corner names. You got to jam you. Jammer. Great porn, great porn name, great corner name, whatever you want. The Jammer. <laughs> so the season narrative. Yeah. Coming off a of four and seven season, Ricky was pretty much the entire offense of that year in 97, but also in this year. Um, this year they go out, they, they get a way better. They, what are they, were they nine and three go out and play in the cotton bowl, win over Mississippi state. Ricky beats all the records, wins the Heisman sends off Mac Brown and, and Texas to come into what they become over that next period of time where I think they got a natty or two. Uh, and you know, he ends his college career with 6,592 yards, 75 touchdowns. That, like, just thinking about that many touchdowns hurts my neck. Like, this dude played so much. That's three se- He had He had more touchdowns in three seasons. And I know it's college, and I had in my, I think, my whole NFL career. That's fucking nuts. That's too much. That's too many carries in college. His goal, he wanted to play really good at college level. Jules, Jules clocked in at 36 career receiving touchdowns. Thanks, thanks, Jack. Just You just humbled me even more. <laughs> it's impressive. I think Sorry, it's brother. impressive. Uh, I was a third down guy. Yeah. You got to move the chains to score touchdowns. Clutch guy. That's my guy, Jack. Three Super Bowls right here, dude. <laughs> Three <laughs> Super Bowls. Let's get over these Texas A&M Aggies. Their record was 11-3. and three, Coached by R.C. Slunkum. We got a pronunciation on that, Jack? I believe it's Slocum. Slocum. Slocum Jammer. Opposite of a premature ejaculator. A Slocum. <laughs> Big wins. They beat number two Nebraska. Nebraska got beat by both these teams. Yeah. 25 Texas Tech, 13 Missouri, Kansas, KSU, number yeah. two. Lost to Florida State and Texas. Mm. What about this? That's crazy. This, the Big 12, they were in the Big 12 at the time. They had some powerhouse teams at this at this time in 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 the history of college football and some huge names on this team. Who they got? I mean Dante Hall. That's a name, no? The video game, the human joystick. Yeah, one of the best, probably, arguably, the best punt returner in the history of the game. Oh my god, he was fun to play with in Madden. Insane. He was literally a human joystick. They yeah. also got Dan Campbell. You know Dan? I don't know him, but I I I covered him this last year. This is the the head coach of the Detroit Lions who said, um, if if we get them down or they break us down, we're going to try to get back up. And then when we're trying to get back, we're going to bite off a kneecap. I believe uh, that's the quote he literally said to the media. Hey, tough guy. I love it. That win, too, from, from Dallas. The, that win. The, the, the linebacker. I remember him. He was a good player. He was insane. And you always rooted for him because he was like the only Asian player you ever saw in the NFL. For you sure. Know, and, I'm a minority in the league as a skill position white guy. And then you see a guy over here, Asian. I'm like, holy fuck, that's hella sick. 
It's gnarly. Skill position. You went with white guy over Jew. Your skill position, Jew. That's yeah, even more but impressive. Yeah, I mean, we get we get lumped in. I, I I don't think there should be a lump in. I think you should uh, Jew. I, that's how many other wide receiving Jews are there? That's the anti-Semitism in this in this society. Yeah, most people just lump us in when we're our own. I mean, if that's as anti-Semitic as it gets, we're doing great. <laughs> They're just lumping <laughs> us in. We're like you, anti-Semite, letting us fit in with the rest of society. Uh, Edelman, when I, I mean, I didn't know at first. And I just thought, oh, Edelman. And I was like, there's no way he's Jewish. And I looked at him, I was like, oh, shit, he's Jewish. Yeah. I thought it was cool. It's got to be. We talking current guys? Yeah. Uh, Josh Rosen. Mm. Uh, Michael Dunn. We got mm. recently retired Nate Ebner. Ebner. Anthony Played Fisker. Or Fersker, sorry. Allie Marpet. Greg Joseph. In the Hall of Fame, you got Marv Levy. Levy. You got Ron Mix. Uh, Mix. Andre Tippett. Tip. Al Davis. Converted. Benny Friedman. Sid Gilman. And then lastly, a guy we got on the wall, Sid Luckman. Luckman. Nice. We got some, we got some, we got some ball players. We got some Jews. We got, yeah. some, we got some guys. Respect. So the season narrative for Texas A&M, they were ranked 14th in the preseason AP poll. Lost an opening night to Florida State, number two, and 26-year-old Chris Winkie. I the bounce Winky. back. Yeah. Or he played, I think he went and played pro ball, came back. He was like 32, freshman. And then he played for the, what, he played with the Panthers a bunch? Yes. I remember Winky. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, he kind of liked Winky. It's a fun name. It's a fun name to root for. You got Winky, Jammer, Slow Come. He took some good names. He's Applewood. And we a lot got of sexual all. sounding names. Applewhite. Fucking Damn it. Again. Dude. Applewood. Applewhite. Applewhite. My is... bad, Major. What a cool first name. Major? Holy shit. Things we remember. Clearly, Ricky. I mean, this is really about Ricky breaking the record. This is that's what it is. That's what we're that's why we're talking. That's why we're doing this game. There was a last second field goal to win in this game. But we're talking about Ricky. Come on, there's other. There's a lot of games where you win on a field goal. There's not a lot of games where you break the rushing record. Things we may have forgotten. Texas was unranked entering this game. From 1984 to 2000, they only had two 10-win seasons. That's that's kind of odd. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, it just feels like a bigger program. They they and then in what the two thousands to two thousand tens they they kind of they I think they they stepped it up. They were they were pretty powerhousey with you know Vince Young and those guys. Oh and, yeah, and with Mac Brown, he had a, he had a long great career with Texas. Yeah, you know, and you you hear about Matthew McConaughey giving halftime speeches and it looks fun. Hook them right. That's what they always say. You give them or the the, the hook. That's McConaughey's a cool celeb fan to have. Gotta be. He's like so cool. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. You just picture the oh. days and confused. They'll do that at games. Certain games will go oh. Remember that? Uh, that was so. I heard that was actually improv. That was actually for him to get in character for the scene, and they did it. And I think DiCaprio was like, "Hey, we got to keep this." So that's what I heard. That's out. like when you tell a crazy locker room story and I'm like, roll the fucking cameras. Cause you got some, you got some epic cl- stories, man. Yeah. I don't gotta, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean, you know what? He's a, he's a humble guy. So he doesn't like it when I blow up his shit like this, but it's, you got good stories. They're pretty good. You got some classics. I heard better. <laughs> I mean, liar, liar. I've had better. I've had better. That was, 
That was a good movie. <laughs> Jim, 90s Jim Carrey, what's your number one? Like the most quoted one I use is probably Dumb and Dumber. Easily, easy number one for me is Dumb yeah. and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Liar, Liar. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, big Mask Guy. Just the performance alone. Yeah. I, it's like uh, Jim Carrey in the mask is like Ricky Williams in this game. Just give him the ball and let him take over. Do you think any of that was in the script or did he just said go do go do I it? don't know. It's it's hard to write some of that shit. And it's I saw him recently in the new Sonics. He's fucking good. I I love Jim Carrey. He's love Jim Carrey, man. Hey Jim, if you're a sports guy and you want to come on games with names, we'd love to have you, man. How's your burger? Why don't you eat up? I'll let you know. Remember when they were trying to feed him the pills? Pills are good. Pills are good. They just kill a guy? Yeah, they killed him, and they left him on the side of the road. Man, and then remember when they had, like, the at the very end, oh, sorry, my friend's a little slow. The town's eight miles that way for, like, the, what was the sun tanning lotion girls or something? Yeah. I remember, like, I was, like, eight years old. I was like, hmm. I would definitely not do that. Me too. I, remember, I saw it in the theater with my grandparents, and I remember they were just furious at me. I think my grandma wanted to see Apollo 13 or something. It was something like tasteful she wanted to see, and I was like, please, grandma, dumb and dumber. And I'm like, it's it's supposed to be really good. And then, of course, five minutes in, they're like, what what have we done? <laughs> Polly want a cracker? <laughs> Shout out to my grandparents who, who took me to dumb and dumber, and it was not their cup of tea. <laughs> Good grandparents. They were they were the best. They, they, they stuck with what I had you wanted. Grandparents, yeah. All right, let's uh, get to the gaming corner presented by WinBet. Okay, so prop bet. Are we thinking over under? How many times anyone can say hook 'em? How many times you can say all right, all right? Which one should we go with? All right, all right, all right. Is that the McConaughey thing? Yep. How many times can we get that? I think three is reasonable. Three and a half. Three and a half. You can hit four on that? I don't know. I'm a confident guy. You're a confident guy. But I'm a humble guy. You just said a couple minutes ago, so am I confident or am I humble? Well, I don't think they're opposites. I think I think you can be a confident, humble guy. Cocky is the opposite, I think. You're, I don't yeah. think you're cocky. I, think I you're teeter confident. it sometimes. You teeter it, but but the greats do. You're a great player, man. All right, all right, all right. Let's see. You couldn't take it, so we went to McConaughey. All right, all right. I didn't even mean to do that. It was just subconsciously in my head. But let's hear from Ricky Williams. But before then, let's take a quick break. And we're joined, Sam, by arguably the best college football player of all time, a San Diego native. Yeah. Heisman Trophy winner, dual sport athlete. A lot of people don't know. Loved baseball, played in the minors. An Austin, Texas legend when it was legendary to be in Austin, Texas. I mean, we we haven't had that in a while right now. Uh, he's got a statue. He's a beast. The, the New Orleans Saints traded literally their whole draft to draft him because he was that good of a football player in college, and everyone knew it was a non-miss. He's not going to be a bust. He has an incredible story, uh, you know, as a pro as a kid in his upbringing, as a college football athlete. And he played 13 years in the league and was a beast in the league, just didn't get to play on the best teams. We got Ricky Williams, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Ah, thanks for having me. This is a, a pleasure. Dude, the pleasure is ours. Uh, we were just talking, 1998. Like, when I was a kid, 
and I played running back as a, as a kid, like you watched every Saturday. It didn't matter who they were playing. It didn't matter how many people were in the box. It didn't matter anything. You knew Ricky Williams was going to break some tackles, outrun people, jump over people, and get the ball about a million times, just as he did in this game where he beat Tony Dorsett's record. Like, your dream, clearly. I've heard you talk about it. You you, you loved college football. Was that, that, that was your thing. Yeah, so I, I mean, you mentioned I was a two-sport athlete. I, was, I grew up in San Diego watching the Padres, watching Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. <clears throat> best swing in f- that that was the best swing in baseball. That was that was an era the, in baseball in the eighties where it was like Gwyn in the NL and Wade Boggs in the AL, and it was yeah. like the two sweetest swings. Yeah, I was Giants uh, fan. Will Clark, but sorry to cut Will you Clark. off. No, that's a great one. Will Clark, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Barry, bro. Barry was a fucking beast, dude. That dude Bombs. was. He Bombs. would see one pitch. He would see one pitch a week and then be a dinger. I don't care if he was on anything. That guy was the best baseball player of all time. If we're talking sweet swings, you can't leave Ken Griffey oh, Jr. Can, yeah. off. Oh. One of the prettiest Classics. swings. Yeah. So, again, this is I love this, right, Sharon, going back to these days. But, yeah, I grew up a baseball fan watching these, these guys, and so I wanted to be the next one. But then when I was about 12, I started watching uh, Notre Dame football on NBC and I got the bug for just a college football tradition. And so I decided when I was being recruited, I told all the baseball recruiters, I'm playing college football, I told all the college recruiters, I'm playing minor league baseball. And so I was able, it, it worked out. So I, I got, took the scholarship to Texas, but I had to give it back when I got drafted because you can't be a professional sport and an amateur athlete on scholarship. So the Phillies drafted me in the eighth round and paid for my education. And all throughout college, I spent my summers playing minor league baseball. Um, but I was just much better at football. And so eventually I had to let go of my dream to be a baseball player. And, uh, and I stuck with football, but my dream was to be the best college football player I could be and then go play baseball. But I just kept with the football thing. Well, you accomplished that. I mean, you look at these numbers. Can, can we get these numbers real quick? I, I'm sorry. I don't got them off my the top of my dome. It was a long time ago, dude. Don't worry about I, it. Dude. <laughs> and I play a lot of football, too. So <laughs> exactly. you, know, you get hit in the head. You forget all I do these. A lot of, I do a lot of drinking. But uh, so I'm right there with you guys. Not really. But uh, you, uh, Ricky, I mean, you have this historic season in college and you could have probably been the first overall pick in the NFL draft. But you come back, you come back to college. What what about it? Where you are like, I got to do it again? Uh, you know, again, I always wanted to be a college football player. And so for me, leaving college early didn't make any sense. Um, but at the end of my junior year, my coach that recruited me, John McAvick, got fired. And so that's, I seriously started thinking about going to the NFL because who wants to be in college with the new coach and all that stuff? Um, and two things happened. The first thing was I was um, talking to Mac Brown, who was the new coach, and I pretty much decided I was taking off. And he said, you know, I know you're probably leaving, but you've been here the longest, so I'd just love for you to give me a heads up on what's going on with the team. So we spent about three hours just me sharing everything I, I thought and felt about the team. And I noticed the next day when I went to to the facility, you know, probably half of what we talked about, he already started to implement some changes and I felt empowered as a leader. So that got me, you know, feeling like coming back might be a good idea. And then that same week I was flipping through the college football almanac 
and I flipped through to see all purpose yards. And I noticed that I was think fourth or fifth, but I did the math. And I said, if I have just a little better season than I did as a junior, I could have the most rushing yards ever in college football history. And that intrigued me. And then I flipped a couple more pages and I got to total touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. And I saw if I have the same year I had as a junior, I could have the most rushing touchdowns and total touchdowns in college football history. I was like, damn, flipped a couple more pages, got to all purpose yards. Same thing. I did the math. And I said, if I have a decent year, like I had last year, I could be the you know, all purpose leader for all time. And I thought, man, I have this opportunity to be like, to have this triple crown. And it was so intriguing. I said, I got to take a shot at it. And so those two things really were why I came back from my, from my senior year. And that, that shows you kind of competitor Ricky Williams was, I mean, you set a goal in college and you went out and achieved it. You honored even through a coaching change, your scholarship and you went back and you did what's best for not only you, but like you helped out Mac Brown. You, you propelled Mac Brown into probably, you know, the best stint that call, you know, Texas football's had in a long time, if not ever. So when you see these, these running backs nowadays who are on like these load management and they, they don't play in the bowl game, like, you got to be like, man, that's that's got to be crazy, huh? I mean, I can understand the load management part, kind of. It's not me, but I understand it. The sitting out bowl games, I, 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 hard, I, have a, I have a hard time with that, you know? And it's me, though. It's not them. I'm just old school. Yeah, like that. yeah. I'm a big fan of amateur sports. You know, the word am, ama, amateur comes from love. So this idea of playing for the love of it, you know? And to me, I couldn't imagine sitting out a bowl game like – Damn. Well, we're talking load management, but is 44 carries too much? That's insane to me. That You carry the ball 44 times in a game. Is that, in, is that crazy? Uh, you know, back then it wasn't crazy. Today is crazy. And, and that's one part. The other part, it depends on the game, you know. There's those some games where you might need it, but to do it consistently, that, that's too much. It's too much. Do you get tired? That's, you carried the rock 44 times, and, like, you were still out running people. Like, do you ever get tired? Well, I mean, I was tired, but mainly because that was the last game of the year. So I've been carrying the ball, you know, for 2000 yards going up to that point. So it was a lot going through the season, but the nature of my game was being tired was part of my game. I mean, to me, that's where I got an unfair advantage because if if I'm tired and the defender's tired, he still has to tackle me. You know, <laughs> 100%. And you saw that people couldn't tackle you. And I always remember, you know, he, he was like the pinnacle. Like, there's like these bowling ball type running backs, especially like, and, and I'm just going to correlate it to the pros and where, where I was at. Like, no one ever wanted to tackle, especially when it was cold, guys like him. Like, you get these big guys that run low, great pad level, built in pad level. And then you got to see him in the middle of the hole. And once they break through, like, and that's what you saw with him. Oh, dude, I don't want like, to. I don't want to go to Trader Joe's when it's cold. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine what you guys went through. I mean, it's insane. Okay, and he would break a tackle in like his open field, and then he had the like the speed to outrun. I mean, it's it's pretty much insane. And can we talk '90s, late '90s football fashion? Probably the swaggiest dude ever out there. He always had the cut. He had the cut. 
the cut hemmed uh, jersey. You'd have like the spatted cleats. You had the baby dreads going on. Like you were like an innovator. And like now it's getting back to that. Like everyone dressed like that in practice. Like, you know, you always like try to swag out in practice, but the game, you never like Ricky Williams actually swagged out throughout and created like pretty much swag for and, 90s you have to, football. You have to be Ricky's level of good. I mean, I saw a guy in the one train the other day in a cut hem shirt. He did not have Ricky's physique, so it didn't work. But when you have the skill to back it up like Ricky did, I always say like Eddie Murphy, you know, delirious, raw. He wears, you you can't wear that, that outfit as an open micer, but when you're Eddie Murphy, you can wear that outfit. You got to have the swag and the skill to back it up, which you had because you were a great player. I think it's, it's, it's all part of the, the vision. You know, I think to be a great athlete, you got to have a vision of that great athlete in your head that you're trying to work towards. And for me, the, the, the outfit, you know, the costume was a big, was a big part of that image. Look good, play good, feel good. Or what was it? Look good, feel good, play good. Exactly. Primetime, baby. Yeah, it's real. Can you talk about uh, getting drafted into some of the teams you played on? You know, the Saints, Miami. I mean, what, what were those experiences uh, like for you? Well, Julian said it, it really, there's so much about fit, you know, like t- to me, if you get drafted, they've scouted you, you got talent, but I think the next level is, is finding that system where you, where you fit. Part of it is the scheme, but also part of it is the personnel. And I think it was close. It was really close for me in new Orleans. And I think when I, the time I got traded to Miami, it was a, the perfect fit. It was a, a team that played hella defense. They had a pretty good quarterback, pretty good receiving core, but they really wanted to establish the run. And I think, you know, that, that was a sweet spot for me. New Orleans was close. You know, we had a great defense when I got drafted quarterback position. We had two guys named Billy Joe <laughs> and we didn't have, we didn't really have anything else on offense. And so it just, and I think also coach Dicker was a little bit old school in his hiring of coaches because our offensive coordinator, he just believed the old school, you know, run the same play and make them stop you, you know, and that didn't work. They I got do to, what they I, do. I got to, uh, I got to Miami North Turner, who was in my mind, an offensive genius, especially scheming a run game. And he just, he saw what I did well. And he, and he, he used motion and schemes to make sure that my talent was, was could, could, uh, could accomplish things on the field. And it, and it worked, it worked. Um, I got to, then I stayed with Miami and I was versatile enough that I could find a place to fit. You know, Ronnie Brown was drafted in 2005 and we started running the wildcat, which was great and kept us both on the field. And then my last season uh, I played with the Ravens and that, you know, I, I see this a lot, but I, I see it's really difficult late in your career, especially if you've had some success to go to a new team because, you know, I was in Miami. We went through the ups and downs, like everywhere in Miami. I was just, everybody knew me, loved me, appreciated me. I went to Baltimore. It's, it was like a whole new, like I had to start over at the beginning. You know, I was almost 40. You know, I had to start over at the beginning trying to like make a name for myself, improve myself. Um, and that's a lot. It was a lot. So ended up only one year in, in Baltimore and I decided, you know, I'm ready to do something else. I, I completely agree. That's half the reason why I retired. I, I, if I wasn't going to play there, I don't want to play anywhere else because I want to learn a new scheme. I don't want to go learn the new lunch ladies, the people yeah. in the building. <laughs> like, you it's know, you, you become family with these people mm. and then you got to reestablish yourself, you know, it, and people do shit differently. You know, they may not get this of you. They may not. It, like, I, I completely understand with that, especially when you get older. Like when I was older in the locker room, like you got a lot of young players and there's different like 
like our generation was completely your generation was completely different than the the one before and and vice versa you become the older guy it's like uh maybe it's time for me to get out yeah you know i I don't do that dance i don't you know or this or i don't i don't i don't i'm not on my phone all day you know it's crazy how different it changes each like every 10 years in that locker room but let's get back to the the texas texas a&m game like you guys were on the verge. You guys had a pretty, you guys were four and seven the year before. You uh, completely balled out, but this year you guys are nine and two. You're playing against six ranked Texas A and M. It's a pretty big rival. Anytime two Texas teams are playing, it's pretty big, right? It's a huge rival. I mean, Texas yeah. Texas A and M has been a, is the biggest rivalry. It's bigger than Texas OU. It's a bigger. It's huge. Thank you for clearing that up for you know a West Coast guy, a, a New Yorker like this game. So the game plan was just give it to you and, and let, let's write it off of you the whole game or what? Well, the game plan was coming into the game. I think I needed 72 yards to break the record. So I think coach Brown's first thing was break this record and then win the game. But he knew if I break the record and everyone gets excited, it's going to be easier. <laughs> it's going to be easier to win the game. So I remember that first quarter, he might've given me the ball like 20 times or something. He just, he just kept feeding me because he wanted to, he wanted to get that out of the way so that we could focus on the game. Yeah, and then the one you broke it, what was a 68-yarder where you, you dip out, they didn't have the edge, then you get in, you split, you come off the, the butt of the uh, the blocker, and then you have the open field running ability to break the tackle and go, and then you get it down the sideline, you cut back. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. I heard a story. Did Mac Brown really say you better break it on a long run? He did, but he always says stuff like that. You know, so, something I I, uh, I read that you said, Julian, about a receiver's job is to is to block in the run game, and you know, and and what I love about the play was a sixty yard touchdown run. What I love about the play was, you know, coaches say if everyone does their job, every score should be a touch, every play should be a touchdown. And when I go back and watch that play, every single person on the field did their job. Okay, it was just a regular lead play to the left. Line did a good job isolating uh, the the defensive lineman. My fullback did a good job hitting the outside linebacker. Okay, you know the play side receiver take most dangerous man. Exactly. He came down, and then what the coach said to the running back, we're leaving one for you. Okay, Kwame came down, cracked the safety. The little corner came up, bounced off my shoulder. I was out in the open field. Okay, running down the field, their backside corner, fastest guy on their team took an angle okay our backside receiver chased him all the way down the field pushed him out of bounds just enough so i could cut in and get into the end zone i'm telling you it was everyone on the field had to do their job to make that play work and that's a beautiful thing about football it's the ultimate team sport and i always remember what he said you know the receiver comes in he cracks his safety and they always say that specifically because they always say the corner's the worst tackler that's the yep. worst tackler. If you get tackled by the corner, they're going to be looking they're looking at you sideways. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, it really is true. But the thing with, like, watching Ricky play, like, you were not only, like, there's, there's certain guys that were athletic freaks that they go in and they just try to run through the hole. Like, you were able to do that, but then you were also able to, you know, squeeze that double team to the next level, cut back, get, always find the right hole. And the, the there's there's players that can do that as well, but, like, the great ones then after that is the ones that, that go out and break the tackle. The safety doesn't make the tackle. You go and make these explosive plays. And you just see that all the time when you're watching Ricky. It was fucking incredible 
It's insane. Like, it's a childhood dream to even get to sit and talk about, get to talk football with you because, like, I mean, you were that big of a deal and you still are to this day. You are. I, I got to ask you, Ricky, was McConaughey big in the Texas circle yet in 98 or was he not your guy <laughs> so, yet? No, he, and it, he was biggest in 98 because he had something to come out and be proud of. So before every single game, I we were staying at the hotel, but every time, every night after the game, I come home and there'd be like a 20 minute voice mail on my uh on my on my answering machine from 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 Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he used to say? All right, all right, all right. Did he ever like did he did he ever say any of those all right, all right, all rights in the in the voicemails? Like did did he just have full McConaughey like It was like, like real it was real speaking from the heart of like motivational speeches and you know. He's he's a really intense dude. Like he'll get close to you like this close and look you right in the eye and say what he has to say to you. So it was it was a treat, you know? It it was it was just a special time in my life of when you put so much work into something and you finally start you finally start to see it pay off. There's, there's nothing like it, dude. He was on all the Sports Illustrated. I mean, he oh, was I remember. the biggest. I remember. I mean, he's a huge deal. There had it, to be some other. Who, who else? Gave, did anyone? Did you get close with any other celebrities, Texas people, or it had to be someone else? I mean, we all know McConaughey's big UT guy. There had anyone else like call you after you broke this record? That's. I mean, there had to be some people. Ah. Uh, there was a lot of people, you know, I was hanging out with the, at the time going way back, hanging out a lot with Dennis Rodman. He was really big at the time, you know, and people knew a classic, I was a, a classic positive influence on anyone. Exactly. I mean, I'm telling you, we, we, we hung out at the Super Bowl was right after my senior year was in, it was in Miami and we went to, we went to a party and he's like, Hey, why don't you come hang out with me? And I just remember taking shots of Jaeger and, that's all I remember. Next thing I knew, I woke up in this room and I was like, I have no idea where I am. And, <laughs> you, you've been Rodman. <laughs> I was. I, I, I went up, like I opened the door and I went up the stairs and I was right on Miami Beach. You know, he rented out, <laughs> he, he rented out Eric Clapton's apartment and somehow that's where the party ended up. And I missed it because I passed out. But if you kept hanging out with him, you would have woken up in North Korea. So consider yourself lucky. Actually, that might have been interesting. But. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Rodman's a big Anyone else from that time period? Not that I can remember. I, you know, I got really close with Dan Lebetard. Uh So before, I mean, he's not like, he's not a super famous person. But that oh, was we probably. Lo- the, we love Lebetard here. That was probably the most, the most meaningful relationship that I, and it, it wasn't just hanging out with a famous person. You know, we, we, became, we were like best friends. Um, and it was amazing when I got, uh, traded to Miami cause he lived in Miami. So we got, we got really close there and we're able just to tell some really cool stories. Uh, and that was, that was probably the, my favorite thing that came out of that time was, is that friendship. You also, I mean, you did play behind some insane linemen. You got to give the hogs who the, in the 98 line, you had Ben Adams, Octavius Bishop, <laughs> Russell Gax, Gax camp, Jay, Jay Humphrey, Roger Russler, Leonard Davis. That's a law firm right there. And none of them went to the NFL, but that's a great college Leonard, line. Leonard, actually, Leonard played in the NFL. Did he oh, play did in he? the league? He did play in the league, yeah. Leonard played for a minute. You know, when I, when I went on my recruiting trip to Texas, I remember I was walking over there, showing me the dorms, and I saw these four humongous guys walking towards me, okay? And I said, who are those guys? He said, those are the offensive linemen, and they're all red shirts. 
So I knew that when I came as a freshman, I'd be playing with four of those five guys throughout my career. And I think that had a, uh, well, not, I think I know that was a major part of my success of just having the sit running behind the same guys all four years of college. Any, uh, crazy like Jesus Shuttleworth treatment over at those uh like frat parties or anything you know what I'm talking about oh, he, he got, got game, game or... you better believe it yeah honestly like you know my my head coach the first three years John McAvick he was one of those like by the books kind of guy okay and I think being I think being from California I didn't have like the the wealthy guy from my hometown to like take care of me so uh, I just was out there, you know, doing my thing, and there was a lot of adoration, but I didn't really get close to to many people like that. Now, I read you started like there's always everyone's pretty public that you smoke weed. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's well documented. Uh, you didn't start until what your senior year of college. Senior year of college. Yeah. Now, what made you? Because I, I I'm gonna open up a little bit, and I'll tell you what happened. Yeah, I I started smoking weed in like my the sixth year of my career and it was because some shit was going on but i want to hear if, if there was something that propelled yeah, you there and- was shit going on so, <laughs> so 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 back back to like where we started when i came back from my senior year i had all these goals win the heisman break all these records okay so i come back and first game first two games i kill it we then we go to kansas state and i get shut down like 12 12 carries for like 40 yards also find out that my girlfriend is now with the quarterback okay so which quarterback is this uh major applewhite he was our he was our what? starting applewhite yeah. i'm glad yeah. you messed up his name at that speech oh yeah so Screw I- that guy I'll tell you a story after you tell me that. Don't actually <laughs> screw that guy. No, yeah, don't. But um, it's it, a long time ago. But it's it just one of those things where I was like, "How do you do that to to your teammate?" She was she was pretty bad. Anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I don't, all I, don't, I don't I don't blame him. So you know, so I was just going through this, and I was thinking, like, why did I come back for this shit? You know, I was in that place where I was thinking I could be making millions of dollars, not worried about this bullshit. Now I'm back here, have to deal with the quarterback giving me the ball that's sleeping with my girl, and now I'm not gonna break all these. It just was bad. And my roommate was a smoker, and he's like, you need to chill. And so he brought out <laughs> he brought out his bomb. And he's like here and so this sounds like I, an anti-drug commercial i mean I, I had smoked before but it was just hanging out with the guys i wasn't a smoker but that was the first night where i smoked and i remember i went upstairs in my room and i wasn't obsessing about the girl or the quarterback or the bad game i just was good and i started actually thinking positively about the future and i'm not lying to you you can look in the stat book after that game back to back 300 yard rushing games I should start smoking more weed. I feel like it would really up my game. It will. It will. Because I I don't react to to it like you, Ricky. I I drink and it quiets the voices. I smoke weed. It's like I had a party in my head and only the worst people showed up. It's not good for me. You know, (laughs) every voice. That's the process, though. You got to get those voices out because they don't just disappear. If they're in there, you got to get them out. And sometimes we bury them and you smoke, you get become aware of them so you can do something about them. Because to me, you know, especially as a football player, I was trying to push all that shit down. And when I finally like looked at it and let it move, then it was gone and I could focus on what was really important. Different perspective. Exactly. Yeah, it, and it was the same same with me. I've never told this story and I've actually never told anyone really I I toke, you know, but you know, I was going through some shit. I got arrested. It was like my second year in the league or fourth year in the league or something like that. And like a lot of shit was just going on. And exactly what you said, 
it gave me the ability to slow down and and in, and just kind of look at things differently and put the pieces together and also like relax my mind because my mind's always going like I'm always thinking I'm going to get cut what's going to happen here my family hates me this that and once I started smoking my buddy did the same thing he's like yo bro you need to relax because I didn't smoke I didn't smoke until I was like 27 26 27 you know what I mean I mean I dabbled but like I wasn't like a smoker you know, and so then I, I did that and it, it it was exactly the same thing that you felt. It gave me a chance to just like reflect, you know, it, it's like the saying that Mr. Kraft told me, Enra Balitov, it's Hebrew for with all the bad, find the good in the bad. And it's kind of, you feel that, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you see that kind of perspective if you do it right and you get in a you know safe environment or whatever, you know, Sam, it may not be that for you, but I felt that exact same thing. And on Applewood or Applewhite, <laughs> Apple I, could, I could tell you a quick story. He invited me to talk to his team. We was Houston. the head coach, Houston, yeah, Houston. Yeah. And, and we were in there. We were playing the Super Bowl, and we were practice using their facility. And he's like, "Yo, Edelman, would you come? You know, come. Let's go speak to the the team." And he gives me this huge introduction. Yeah, this guy, that guy. And I and I go, "Oh, thanks, Applewood. I appreciate it." Like I fully botched his name. The whole fucking team starts laughing boss busting out it's supposed to be like a, an inspirational speech so i'm clearly not matthew mcconaughey when well, it comes to speech giving. no that's karma coming full circle that's what he gets for banging reggie's girl he gets a botched name and embarrassed in front of his team that's what i say no uh but uh reggie i mean I Rick, think Rick, why did I call you Reggie? Holy shit. Because you're botching my name too. Hey, it's all <laughs> oh good. my god. It's karma. It's that's how karma, karma. That's, how, that's how karma works. Ricky, who have you slept with who was a close friend in the past? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> got me. Ricky, uh I mean, I think you got really unfairly uh, vilified by the media. You were ahead of your time in a lot of ways, you know, when they really kind of played it out like you were a burnout. And I don't think that was fair to to do to you. Well, I don't I don't look at it that way. I mean, they're just doing their job. They couldn't understand what was going on with me. You know, they're they're the media like they're covering us. You know, I just see myself as like a real warrior. You know, I wasn't just like fighting on the football field. Like I'm fighting in life for real. Just trying but don't to be you think you were ahead of your time in that way. I don't think there were people that were as open as you were about this stuff at the but time. The, the nature of being ahead of your time is you're always going to be misunderstood. I mean, that, that's what it, that's what it means. That's, 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 that's a saying right there. I'm a big saying guy. Like Jack, I want you to cut that up. That, that could be like a neon sign. Man, fuck, that's good stuff. It is, man. Uh, I'm thinking about that saying. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> we try to keep it like conversational here. You know, so this is more of a, us just laying laying it all out. I, w- I want to, you know, you talked about how we've talked about environment and ecosystem. How badly would you have wanted to play in a system like New England? Oh, it'd have been like. I would have killed it up there. Just, you know, people from the outside, they, cause all of the, especially the cannabis stuff, people, I think they misunderstand like my game, but like, I'm a killer out there. You know, I'm a competitor and I just, I love playing against the Patriots and I was fortunate enough being a dolphin. I got to do it twice a year because like, you know, you knew you, everybody had to get up for that game and you knew every time you play the Patriots, they're going to be overprepared 
overprepared. So it, it Some was called spying. I mean, with, with the saying what they say in football: if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So <laughs> I get it. I think we got Eli to say that Bill's a cheater. I think we did. <laughs> Fucking Eli. Fucking Great Eli. guy. No American hero. Um, tell us about Heisman, your company. I want to hear. I want to hear about this. We've been talking about it already. And I just want to say thank you for sharing your story because that's really what Heisman is about. So many people, they, they hide how they utilize cannabis and there's so many people out there suffering and they, they don't even realize that shit. I could get, I could get relief from what I'm dealing with or I could get perspective or I could get insight because everyone's lying about using cannabis. And so, you know, a big part of the brand is really creating a platform for people to tell their story. You know, it's funny because, yeah, we're, we're a cannabis brand. I think of it as a lifestyle brand, but just living a life where you're utilizing cannabis to take yourself to the next level and uh, in, in telling that story. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And that's why I started this brand. Well, it's it's very clear that you're passionate about it. And, and it's it, and it's also clear that, you know, you, you think outside the box and, and the way you broke down your story like I wasn't going and telling my story that I smoke weed. <laughs> like it made me feel comfortable enough to let to go out and and I like share that with you because it, you made it feel like it's not bad for me yes. to do that. Yeah. And if I guarantee a lot. Right. No, I guarantee it. I mean, I know you're not thinking about it this way, but a lot of people who watch this, you know, are probably going to be more comfortable either trying it using it or coming out and talk, sharing their experiences with it. Cause when I was going through everything I was going through, there was very few people that I could relate to that were going through a similar experience. And so as I went through it all, I was took it on myself to be that person for other people. And so, you know, the fact that you felt comfortable enough to, to be real and share your story, like that's amazing. So thank you for that. Well, See, for athletes, this is big. For a comedian, no one gives, no one's like, wow, he really, that was really cool. He shared he did drugs. No one cares. But I really think your honesty was so refreshing for the league and I think good for the sport. And it's funny that in some ways you were portrayed as not, maybe not a positive role model because I think time has shown that you were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, time, that's, that's the value of time. You know, I was young, I was trying to figure it out. And I, all I knew is I just keep swinging. I keep taking a shot. I'm going to figure it out. And I stuck with it. And, and to the NFL's credit, they gave me an opportunity to come back and, and you know, clear my name and, and leave the NFL and leave my career with dignity. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a wonderful story that I'm still standing to be able to tell it. And that you're still working and that you have a new thing with Heisman, which, you know, everyone should check out. Everyone's got to check it out, man. We appreciate you coming on. To Games with Names presented by WinBet and talking about your story, talking about the game you had to break Tony Dorsett's record, which is still insane. Go on, win on a last field goal against the Texas Aggies, win the Cotton Bowl, propel Mac Brown's career. Also, like getting all the messages from McConaughey. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> awesome that you gave us all this intel and, and telling us your story, man. And Major Applewood. Know, I mean, ma- yeah. Major <laughs> Applewood. Fucking Major Applewood. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. You guys would have won 10 games if you didn't do that. <laughs> 11. Messed up. Messed up, man. Uh, Chemistry. It's all, it's all, it's all good. Minor <laughs> Applewood more like. 
And this is the beauty. This, this is the beauty of life, though. I don't think I would have been motivated to like go on a tear like that. You know, maybe it's maybe it's exactly what I needed to find cannabis and to to be here telling this story. So thank you, Major Applewhite. Exactly. <laughs> is it White or Wood? What the hell? I don't even know his name anymore. <laughs> he said it so many times. I'm confused. It's it is what it is, man. I yeah. appreciate you coming on, dude. If you ever need anything from me, give me a call, bro. Yeah, I'm in LA too. We should get up sometime. Where do you live? I live in Manhattan Beach. I live over in like West Hollywood Flats, Beverly Hills area. Perfect. We'll have to yeah. link up. I, I love the South Bay. I lived in Hermosa for a couple years. Yeah, I love it down here. It's it's just my kid lives in Laurel Canyon, so it's fucking far. I can take I the 110, it. take me two hours to go see my kid and drop her off at school. Like I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But well, thank you so much, Ricky. This this is great. Yeah, of course. You guys have fun. All right, bro. I appreciate you. Hit me up. What's the legacy of that game? Just that Ricky Williams is a badass, I think. He's not like your traditional badass. He's like the badass that is that that goes around and like does a bunch of mitzvahs and like you just like once we've had some good fucking guests. We've had some damn good guests. Like just some really good guys. Like same thing with like Megatron. Kind, soft spoken, humble uh, legends. And, and, no and way to put even it. when we even tried to get him to bag on Applewood, he couldn't. It's probably for his best mental health wise that he's not still mad about that hookup. I mean, if you're carrying that shit with you, you're probably yeah, smoking he, bad weed. <laughs> you know, this is this is what this is the chronic. I'm not over it. <sighs> you know. <laughs> well, he must be smoking that chronic that he did get over it because, like, he basically told him, like, yeah, he, I don't, I don't blame him that he did. You know, I mean, yeah, that was a very rock rock and roll attitude. That was like, remember George Harrison and uh, Clapton? What happened? I didn't. He he, Layla. He takes his woman, and uh, Layla. Yeah, I don't think that was her real name, but he. But that was the song about her. Takes her, and and Harrison's like, yeah, it's rock and roll. And that that's exactly how Ricky Williams handled it. Rock and roll. We're just at rock and roll. Did we settle the prop bet? What I don't think we get. I, I don't you, think, were, you were definitely under. I think we we oh, said yeah. three five. I think I counted two. I don't know. I counted four. I think oh, we just you? nearly got over. Oh, so we're they over. Were, yeah, Jules had two back to back right there. Got it. We all right, so I, I was wrong. All right, all right, all right, all right. Then never. Damn it, we got it. You got it. So, like, how much is the position in the running back? How, how much has it changed? I mean, this was the era of the running back. I mean, you think how rich the sport was. We've talked about it. Edron James, I believe, was in his draft, right? Uh, we had Marshall Falk. We had uh, Eddie George, Ricky Williams. I remember Priest Holmes for a few of those years. I mean, there, there were some running Terrell backs. Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. There were some just Sean Alexander. Bettis. Bet the bus. I it's mean, just, the game changed. This is ground and pound. Let's let's ride our let's ride our guy until he can't ride. Yeah. I mean, and that's clearly what they did in this football game. Forty four carries, and and you just saw like how gifted. Ricky really was when he said, and it's it's a mental thing. It's not just a physical thing. When other guys are tired, and if I'm even a little tired, I if I'm tired, I know he's tired. So and I know he can't tackle me if he's tired. Yeah, like like, did, like I'm better conditioned than he is, and I'm better than him. So he's not getting me. Like and that's what people probably misunderstand that he's he's a dog. 
Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. The media really portrayed him as not that. Like, he's just, oh, this guy that goes and does this and does that. He just smoke. Nah, bro. That guy was a great football team or f- football player. And it seemed like, like, I've heard through the grapevine, he's been a great football team. Worked his fucking ass off. You know, he gives a shout out to every single guy on that big ass long record breaking run. You know, oh, the backside receiver came and made the block. Oh, my receiver came in, got the force. My fullback goes in, blows up the hole. Like giving his praise to all the guys, like not just being that asshole that says, I did this. You know what I mean? That's weed, too. It's like it makes you kind of. It makes you introspective, kind of coke. If you're a coked out guy, you're not giving credit to that whole no. that whole team. You're no. saying that was me, that was me. But no, that's that's the weed talking. Where you're like, yeah, I'm. Say hello this is all my, of us. Yeah, it's my world. Uh, I had I just I, I was trying to do a little uh, Scarface. I'm the bad guy. That's pretty good. Everybody needs a bad guy to say, that's a fucking bad guy. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Classic. That's all I got. Classic. That was pretty good. I mean, it took a lot to take down Tony Montana. It, not, not as much. Ricky Williams could have withstood those gunshots, too, the way he ran. That dude. No cocaine, no weed. <laughs> Tony Montana, that's one of the all-time, like, you were dead for a while. What, what's, what are we doing? Yeah, but... I mean, Coke can do a lot of things, but it's mostly like I'm the shit. It's not like I can withstand. The what world is yours, Bubs. The world is yours. He did Manny dirty, dude. I am a political refugee. I can't believe I called him Reggie. I feel terrible. I got caught. I don't know what, where Reggie even came from. <sighs> that was a bad look. That was a bad like, look. I fucked I, it up. I, you know, as, as a co-host, I'm trying to pick you up. but I was, That was rough, dude. I heard it twice, too. That was Applewhite. That was, yeah... Applewhite was the guy who was handing the ball off to Reggie. Ricky, now you got me doing it. <laughs> handing it off to Ricky Williams, the best college. Fo- How do you Applewhite, fuck- who the f- I didn't even know who Applewhite was when I, imagine, I went in there. Can you imagine if Brady banged your girlfriend and then you had to see him every day? I think if it was that that way, I think it would probably propel me into getting a better girlfriend because it's Tom. That means we're on the same stratosphere of I, that's that's my thought process behind it. I I'm just thinking Ricky Williamsy right now. You know, I'm thinking outside the, the box. Goat? This the, this is you know this is good for it. Yeah, yeah. Right. You never know. He seems like an awesome dude and coolest dress guy. Who else was cool? Cool dress dudes. Cool dress. Randy Moss was a uh, cool dress. Well, dude. Randy was like Randy was swaggy early in his day. But the cool thing about Randy is he'd always keep his he oh, pregame he'd always put his gloves on his face mask. He'd always and he'd be dang they'd be dangling from his face mask he, and you know you'd be talking to guys and it, it, that was like so I started putting my shit on the face mask too because Randy did Michael Vick was always swaggy with his yeah. own cleats yeah. he always had the dope strap cleats yeah insane Jack Lambert yeah I mean that's just old school nitty gritty like ugh, with the neck roll beast mode beast mode he just had the well, he always had crazy tint. Visors. Andy had his own uh, stuff. He had his own clothing always. Remember, beast mode. Yeah, beast and the the dreads out the back. It was a cool look. Alvin Kamara. He's he's pretty swaggy. I think he's got like diamond teeth, and then he has like a gold mouthpiece that goes over the diamond teeth. And then he always has like cool cleats, like awesomely painted or colored cleats. And 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 the Saints black and gold is like you got, if you do that you got to save your money because you don't want to be handing over a grill to a pawn shop that's a rough look you know 
<laughs> you got to make sure you got money saved if you're doing that. But hey, Jack, did we forget anything? We were pretty good this episode. Um, when we were talking Arnold, he and DeVito linked back up in 94 for Junior. Yeah, Junior. I, I never I saw It looked rough. Yeah. One of them was pregnant, right? Yeah. Yeah, Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. Um, we Arnold. also talked about Running Man, release date 1987, Hunger Games Catching Fire, release date 2009. So Running Man, way ahead. Um, Texas went on to win the national championship under Mac Brown in 2005. Junior was Ivan Reitman? Yeah, surprisingly. Damn, I met him. I met him once. I did a thing with this production company. They were all really cool. He was a he was a nice guy. He's a, he's a legend. His son is a great director too. Up in the air. Uh, what else? Juno. He's done a lot of movies. Oh, thank you for smoking. That's a great one. I was gonna say Private Parts, but he turned down directing Son of the Beach, another Howard Stern project. I was wrong mm. there. Um, <laughs> Ivan Reitman recently passed away. Legend. Know, Ghostbusters, RIP. right? Yeah. Um, Ghostbusters. The originals? Yeah. Love those movies. That's Ivan. Speaking of other classic comedies, we mentioned Dumb and Dumber. Animal House. Um, And it was the Hawaiian Tropic Girls on the bus Mm, at the end. Um, Classic. Also got to give some shine to Leonard Davis on who was blocking for Ricky all those years. He ended up having an 11-year NFL career. Played for the Cardinals, Cowboys, Lions, and 49ers. And then Ricky mentioned that quarterback room when he got to – New Orleans, it did in fact have two guys named Billy Joe. Billy Joe Hobart, Billy Joe Tolliver, Danny Warfel, and Jake DeLome. Jake DeLome. The hometown guy down there in New Orleans. Um, and then lastly, we mentioned uh, some George Harrison tunes there at the end. That was something uh, which he wrote about Eric Clapton dating his ex-wife, it's rumored to believe. Or and Clapton played on goes. it? I think, Kyler, is that correct? And Clapton played on it. Wow! Yeah, he's like, you took my wife. You can do it. You can do a little number on my tune. How about that? <laughs> There's something in the way. Old Clapton. Let's name the game. All right. Then the game is the Rick, run, Ricky run, or Ricky breaks the record. Something like that. What do you think? Ricky smokes the record. Ricky smokes the record. I like it. Gameplay. I mean, this is just old school '90s football. Ground pound, mono e mono. Big play here, big play there. Uh, Gameplay, I'd have to say it's like a seven. Yeah, I was going to say seven. That's it's perfect. a seven. Yeah. There's two good football teams. Could be some recency bias because, you know, it was a different generation of, of game. You know what I mean? These guys ground and pound. What do you think for star power is not I, we can't go too high here. Can't go too high. It's really Ricky. It's just Ricky. Ricky's the star well, work. I mean, you got Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell There's playing names the game. In here, There's no doubt. names. Dante Hall, as we said. I mean, but I, I think we got to go like 5-5. Five, five. What do you think? Is that even high? Yeah, we can go 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> but it is the best college football player of all time. But, I mean, he's he's why it's 5-5. Five, five. We, we, we've had Pro Bowls. I mean, this is high stakes. He said this is the biggest... It's the biggest rivalry for Texas, he said. He said it's big. He, he said it was bigger. Did he quote bigger than Oklahoma? That's what Ricky said. Yeah, I was surprised. Kyler's shaking his head, though. Kyler yeah, I, likes I, to go keep it low. Yeah, I mean, Kyler, he, he, I forgot he went to Texas and broke the, the record for <laughs> rushing. And his, what do you say, stake six? Um, yeah, stakes are about, I'd go seven. You got to give it seven. This is, that's a big rivalry. Okay. You get these Texas fans that are going to be listening to this. They're going to sit here and say, these fucking coast people don't know shit and we don't about football. And we admittedly don't and we're doing our best to brush up on college because it's not either of our strong suits i would say 
But I'm learning. I'm loving. We're I'm both enjoying. learning. I'm learning enjoying it a lot. As long as we learn from it. The name, Ricky Smokes the Record. I mean, that's that's the best thing on there. Yeah. I, you got to go seven at least, right? Yeah, seven three. Seven point three. What's that give us a total of? A 6.7 total. All right. Well, this was a fun one. Ricky was a great guest. And that's all for this episode of Games with Names uh, presented by WinBet. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all our sponsors. Make sure to follow us at Games with Names on all socials. Write a review. I'm Sam Morrell. And I'm Julian Edelman. And we'll see you next time, folks. And Ricky Williams, cool guy. Cool, cool guy. All right, folks. Bye.